Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Here on this podcast, we discuss various topics like pop culture. We talk about news. We talk about politics and so many other things here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming back for a brand new episode for all of my returning listeners, returning subscribers of the podcast. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for checking in for the week with us. Also, if you are new here, hey, how you doing? Go ahead and subscribe. And when you are subscribing, you'll be notified, hopefully, every single time we have a brand new episode, which happens to be every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Promptly at 9 a.m. No later. So thank you all for coming back for a new week. It is still Black History Month. It is still Black History Month. And, you know, this is a leap year. So we have an extra day to celebrate just Black excellence. And I was thinking earlier... This has nothing to do with the intro of this podcast, but I was thinking earlier, you know, black history is American history or American history is black history, I should say, because we are embedded so deeply in the roots of this country. Like it is crazy to me in every single day of this month, I have learned something new about our history, which is why I have been so pressed to share everything that I have been learning with you all. So, yeah. Let me get off that soapbox real quick because I'm going to return to it later. But thank you all for coming back for a brand new episode. Let's hop into our carefree updates. All right, guys. So to kick off our carefree updates, the Oscars came on last night. Yes, I am recording this podcast on a Monday. The Oscars came on last night on a Sunday. Um, and I intentionally did not watch it. I watched the Oscars last year. I felt some type of way about it. I watched it the year before. I felt some type of way about it. I always feel some type of way about it. So, you know, this year I just decided not to put myself through the pain, right? Like, why subject myself to being upset? So that is why I did not watch it. And I'm glad I didn't. I just read an article from TheRoot.com, and I'm going to read you all pieces of it. Apparently, the only um, black win from last night was courtesy of Matthew A. Cherry and Karen Rupert Tolliver. They won for the best and best animated short film of hair love so if you all remember in last week's carefree updates i told you all about the student out of texas whose high school said that he couldn't participate in graduation because of his locks because of his hair they said that he had to cut his hair in order to walk with his class so matthew cherry who is associated with this film creator of this film invited the student to come to the Oscars last night and it was beautiful we posted it on our carefree black diaries um, Instagram story last night and referenced it that we talked about it last week so he showed up last night I was so happy to see that still didn't watch the show but they did win for best animated short film and I am so happy to hear that now apparently someone broke down last night how many you know black nominations have been received through the Oscars over the years so apparently in 2017 there were 18 black nominees in 2018 there were 13 in 2019 there were 15 and this year there were only five black nominees for the oscars now 
some people would argue that, well, it's not, um, there are only five black nominees or it continues to go down because black people aren't producing the right content for the Oscars or the actors and actresses aren't meeting the expectations of the Oscars. And I beg to disagree. There were so many amazing movies, so many amazing films, short films, independent films, um, films that released worldwide that were Oscar worthy and it's just crazy to me and I will never ever ever understand how um we are continuously ignored like continually ignored it is not for lack of storytelling it is not for lack of talent it isn't for any of that we out here like we have really been out here but for some reason it feels like sometimes we're the only people that see each other so again I didn't watch it but I was reading this article and they said that Chris Rock when he opened up he asked um Cynthia Erivo Erivo the actress that played um Harriet in the Harriet Tubman movie he was like um apparently Cynthia did such a great job in Harriet um hiding black people that the academy got her to hide all the black nominees Cynthia is Eddie Murphy under this stage and it was just a, a slight jab not even slight it was directly a jab at the academy because every year we go through this thing I don't know if you all remember a few years back, there was a hashtag that started trending and it was like Oscar so white. This is why. Like, this is why. And each year they show us exactly the kind of talent that they want to acknowledge. And it is up to us to honestly, honestly, honestly start just supporting our own and start looking at our own award shows like we have... um, the uh, I we have so many award shows. You have the Soul Train Awards. You have BET Awards. You have um, oh my gosh, one of them is escaping me right now. Uh, there's another really big black award show. But anyway, we have these opportunities within our own community to celebrate our works and celebrate our triumphs. But for some reason, when you go on Twitter, say you go on Twitter or you go on Instagram or something like that, often you see our own people downplaying the significance of those awards. Like we have to start seeing those award shows and award presentations as an opportunity to celebrate ourselves. And we can't can't wait on other people to celebrate us so that is just my take on it you know I didn't expect anything more from them to be completely honest with you I expected it to turn out exactly how it turned out so I'm not surprised it's not a shocker to me now moving on apparently today February 10th um it's gonna pass by the time you hear this podcast but a former pro football player and a Republican congressman, J.C. Watts. He has spearheaded the first black news channel that is launching nationally this week, and it launched today, February 10th. So it's called the Black News Channel, and 
Last year, there was an article on The Root where um, a journalist, he wrote that the news channel looks pretty conservative. So I'm not sure exactly the direction that they are going to go as far as being a black news channel. Are they going to be super conservative? Are they going to be very liberal? I'm not sure. I am going to try to find it. I don't know if it's going to be like on Comcast or like through a streaming platform so I don't know but once I get more information on that I will share it with you all because we have to support our own I do want to see where they're gonna come from with their reporting um I do want to see where it's gonna go but I am going to show you all or tell you all actually where you can find the black news channel once i find out i'll share it with you all now the next carefree update i did want to share with you all is about a i guess it's like a docuseries yeah it's like a docuseries it's on netflix right now and the name of it is who killed malcolm x so when i first heard about it i was like uh we already know all there is to know about who killed malcolm x like we know what else do we have to talk about but y'all I am so glad that I took this entire weekend to watch that docuseries because one it was so well put together two it was so well put together three it was so well put together and I learned so much during this docuseries um growing up again if you're new here I went to an all-black daycare I went to an all-black the daycare was in the middle of the black neighborhood then after daycare I went to an all-black school it was kindergarten through 12th grade um I had all-black teachers after I graduated from there I went to an HBCU so I have learned a lot of black history over the years right but growing up the history that I learned about Malcolm X was always that he was super radical you know, he ignited so much change, especially with the Nation of Islam and how important his role was in that. But after watching this docuseries, I realized that there was so much that I was not taught about Malcolm X's life, about Betty Shabazz, his wife, about the Nation of Islam as a religion and also as far as loyalty is concerned within the nation of islam i learned so much about his killers and the people that were involved so growing up i was told um five people killed him okay yeah got it but watching this docuseries i didn't even know that apparently it's common knowledge that three people killed him i was always taught five people so when i heard three people i'm like well what happened to the other two people but i was never given the full details about what happened and everything and y'all I'm not gonna spoil it for y'all I promise I'm not gonna spoil it for y'all but there is one particular part in this docuseries that really blew my mind and it was in reference to the podium that Malcolm stood at when he was shot so this was in New York City and he was standing at this podium years later they go back to the ballroom where everything occurred and the people that work at the ballroom go downstairs and bring the podium with the chalk circling where the guns, the bullets had hit the podium. The podium was still downstairs in the ballroom. And I was on my couch like, y'all, I made my mom and my dad watch it too. 
because I want to I want them to you know they're older but I also want them to still learn as well and they learned a lot from this docuseries as well but when they brought it upstairs I was like the first thing I said was why was that not in evidence and then the guy on the docuseries he was like why was that not in evidence and I'm like exactly so to me that showed a lot about how involved or how much they cared about solving and finding out who actually killed Malcolm X but please watch it please watch it please watch it and if you need someone to talk to about it um after you watch it hit me up I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram we can talk about it okay you have a partner so that is all I have for carefree updates let's hop into our topic of the day after a break from our sponsors all right, guys, so if you listened to last week's podcast episode, you already know, you're already up to date that we are covering, I don't want to call them little known black history figures, um, but we're covering black history figures that have been forgotten or that I feel personally don't get enough credit for the things that they did while they were alive to add to how we are able to live today so last week we talked about esther jones esther jones if you listen to last week um in the episode will the real betty boot please stand up esther jones was i mean if we're gonna keep it a stack if we're gonna keep it 100 she was the major inspiration for the character betty boop if you don't know that go back and listen to that but this week um we're talking about mary ellen pleasant so here's the thing i need you all to help me out with this because i have been wrestling with the idea of keeping this going after this month is over because there is just so much like so much information i am learning about so many different people and um on my instagram there is a highlight it is called bhm for black history month if you go on my personal page shakira white you can catch up for all the days every single day of this month i have highlighted a black historical figure who has been forgotten over the years so i want i really really do want to keep this going and i was thinking should I create a separate podcast that is solely dedicated towards um, this forgotten black historical figures or should I make it a YouTube kind of thing because I really enjoy the visual aspect of being able to show you all pictures of what these people look like to be able to show you all their homes, um, their children, their works, their art like I really do I don't want to lose the visual aspect of it. I do like the storytelling aspect, but I don't want to lose the visual aspect. I want you all to be able to see how these people looked, just like I have been doing every day on my Instagram page and the Instagram story. So do you all think, help me out here, write me on Instagram, do you all think that it should be a separate podcast that is only about black historical figures or should um it be a youtube thing because i was thinking if it was on youtube then you wouldn't lose the visual aspect but you would still have the audio about the people so let me know should it be a youtube thing should it be a podcast thing i don't know help help us style so anyway on um one day i think it was day seven i could be wrong we're like 10 days in right now um i covered mary ellen pleasant i'm getting her middle name and first name mixed up 
So while I was covering her on my Instagram page, you know, I kept referring to her as the biggest boss before Rick Ross. Like, the girl was paid. The girl had a bag. Okay, she had a bag. So we know um, Mayor McLeod, no, not Mayor McLeod, Madam C.J. Walker, (laughs) as the first self-made millionaire, first black self-made millionaire. But before Mary McLeod, oh my gosh, why do I keep trying to bring Mary McLeod Bethune into this? She has nothing to do with this. Before Madam C.J. Walker, Shakira, get it right, there was Mary Ellen Pleasant. So we're going to be talking about Mary Ellen Pleasant. And I promised um, a few people from my Instagram that I would use this podcast episode to talk about her because her life, there was just so much that I was not able to cover on an Instagram story like it was just way too much way too much information so I was like all right let me just do a whole podcast episode that is about her so Mary Ellen Pleasant they say that she was born around 1814 it's a long time ago okay so we don't know exactly what year she was born but they say around 1814 now some people say that she was born on a Georgia plantation but in her autobiography she said that her mother was um from Louisiana and her father was Hawaiian so she insisted that she had been born in Philadelphia so whether she was born on a plantation in Georgia or whether she was born in Philadelphia we do not know for sure she says Philly other people say Georgia take it as you may okay whether you're gonna go with her word or go with what other people are saying so what we do know is that at a young age, she was sent to Nantucket, Massachusetts, and she was sent there to be a domestic servant for a family, and this family had money. So she learned very quickly um, how to kind of fade into the background, how to be invisible. She was business minded. She enjoyed business. She enjoyed the idea of owning things and having wealth. So in her mind, being a servant for this family was just temporary. Like, sis knew I'm only here for... (laughs) Uh, what what does what does that song say? I'm here for a good time, not a long time, or is it for I'm here for a long time, not a good time? I don't know. Y'all know what song I'm talking about. So in her mind, she's like, I'm here to learn. I'm not here for a long time, and I really, you know, aspired to have that kind of mindset pertaining to things because. I get real discouraged easily. I'm like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I need to make a move for it. She was not like that. She took where she was as a gift and learned everything she could while she was there. And she only viewed it as a temporary stop along her life. So she worked for this family and they were business people. So she would, you know, do what she needed to do. But at the same time, she would be listening to their conversations so in her autobiography there is a quote and she says I often wonder what I would have been with an education I have let books alone and studied I have left books alone and studied men and women a good deal I have always noticed that when I have something to say people listen they never go to sleep on me and that is super important so 
marry. She married twice in her life, but we're going to talk about her first husband. Her first husband's name was James Henry Smith. So they don't know if he was mixed. They don't know if he was black and they don't know if he was white. They don't know what ethnicity this man was, but they do know that he and her, she was young when they got married and he was considerably older than she was. I don't know the age difference between the two of them, but he was older. So he died sometime in 1840. So remember, she's young at this time when he dies. And when he dies, he leaves her a really good piece of change. He leaves her a good inheritance, right? So her second marriage was to John Pleasant. That's how she got the name Mary Ellen Pleasant. It was from her second husband, John Pleasant. Um, And they said that she met him in New Bedford, Massachusetts, which is, well, was a destination on the Underground Railroad. So more than likely, this guy was more than likely black. Um, I really wish I knew what the ethnicity was of her first husband, but it doesn't matter. He left her inheritance, right? So in 1848, she hears about the California gold rush. So word starts to spread across the country from California all the way to the East Coast, because at this time she's living on the East Coast. Right. And she hears about this gold rush and she hears um, that even black people were going to see what the gold was talking about over on the West Coast. So. Here goes Mary. She's like, all right, let me go see what it's talking about over here. So she moves to San Francisco. And when she's in San Francisco, she starts working as a cook. Again, she's using this servant kind of work to get the scoop, basically, from these wealthy families. So she starts working for this wealthy family as their cook. While she's cooking for them, right? She is eavesdropping and getting information about where she can invest her inheritance. So um, a biographer said that it's quite possible that the jobs she had as a domestic were a cover that she was using because she clearly made her money from investments. So basically, here I am. I'm this cook in your house. Yeah, I'm going to cook for you. I don't need this money that you're giving me as a check, but I will take it. But this is just a drop in the bucket for what I actually have, the money that I actually have. So another quote says that her portfolio, it grew to include shares in businesses that range from dairies and laundries to even Wells Fargo Bank. If you live in America, I don't know if Wells Fargo is national. Is it overseas? I don't know. But I know that it's here in America. Um, If you live in America, you have heard of Wells Fargo, whether it was good or bad. Okay, you've heard of of Wells Fargo. So she even invested some of her money in Wells Fargo way back then. This is in the 1800s, right? She owned restaurants. She owned boarding homes for people. Um, And some of the local people in San Francisco said that the boarding homes were actually brothels if you know what a brothel is sis bro you know that's what they said she was doing with that we don't know but they said that she used to refer to herself as a capitalist by profession so one of the reasons that she is not known to students 
of U.S. history and Americans is because a lot of the activities that she was involved in were either controversial or secret. This was a quote from Hudson, who is the biographer, and she continues to say that her legacy is not the pure, selfless freedom fighter or heroine um, that we know Harriet Tubman to be described as. Pleasant Mary, she did not fit that role. She was not that. And I mean, I guess, you know, to be a boss, you got to pay the cost. So, you know, she wasn't known as that sweet, you know, lady that a lot of people, you know, that we know, you know, Rosa Parks to be, that we know Harriet Tubman to be, that we think about, you know, Sojourner Truth, even though we know that those women had rough edges, as you had to back then, right? Um, But there's still, when we think about those women, there's still like a... A, for lack of better words, like a, a warm feeling or a grandmotherly feeling that you can feel when you think about those women. Mary Ellen Pleasant doesn't give you that. So we don't get those stories about Mary back in the day, right? So check this out. She was one of San Francisco's growing um, major entrepreneurs during this time. Imagine being a black woman during the 1800s being a major entrepreneur in San Francisco. Okay, you're competing with white men, um, some white women. But here you are, this black woman that is up there with the best of the best, right? And it is estimated that at her peak, she was worth $30 million. Let me say that again. At her peak, she was worth $30 million. Okay? So even though she had all of these businesses, she was worth all this money, she was still um, a woman who was very concerned about civil rights for people. So shortly after the Civil War, she sued one of the streetcar companies for not allowing black people um, on their line, and she also sued another one that permitted segregation. She won both of these cases, okay? And she became known as the black um, well, within the black community in San Francisco for her philanthropic efforts and how public she was about advocating for civil rights, um, which was unusual for a woman and super, super unusual for a woman of color. She used her money to defend wrong um, black people. She spent thousands of dollars in legal fees, and it says that she became a hero to a generation of African-Americans in California, and it is so sad that we don't know that about her life. I had never heard about this woman until this month, but all good things come to an end, especially back then, so I'm not going to go there yet because I do want to tell you all about one particular affair that she is, you know, when people talk about her, they talk about this particular situation. So if you all recall, um, you may remember Harper's Ferry in Virginia. This was also in the 1800s. So John Brown, I'm sure you've heard that name before. If not, search um, Google for abolitionist John Brown. John Brown was an advocate for um, helping enslaved people. So he was hung on December 2nd, 1859 for murder and treason. When he was hung... After, you know, everything was over, after it was all said and done, they found a note in his pocket. Now, in his pocket, this note, it said, the axe is laid at the foot of the tree. When the first blow is struck, there will be more money to help. 
when the first blow is struck, there will be more money to help. Now, if you hear that, you're going to think like, okay, um, this is somebody donating money, right? Precisely. So people that found this note in his pocket, officials during that time, they believed that a wealthy northerner had written this um, note for John Brown. So remember John Brown, he is the one who um, basically there was this huge slave uprising and they held out for a few days on this ship, Harper's Ferry in Virginia. Um, And it was about slaves, right? So they found out that it wasn't a wealthy northerner. They thought like, oh, it was a maybe a white family, a white man who had donated money to the cause. They found out that the note was actually written by Mary Ellen Pleasant. I'm going to tell y'all again, I told y'all she was the biggest boss since Rick Ross. Well, before Rick Ross, she was out here. So she had donated. Okay, hold on. I need y'all to hear me when I say this. She had donated $30,000. First of all, I don't have $30,000 right now. So I can't even imagine having $30,000 back then. So back then, $30,000 was almost $900,000 today. Like today is like $900,000. So imagine having that much money and just being able to donate it to a cause. She donated this money to John Brown to start the fight at Harper's Ferry and she is the one who signed the letter that was found on him when he was arrested she had donated $30,000 right this was the biggest sum that was donated to him for this cause and she was about to donate even more to him had he not been caught right so she was so involved in that. She, I told y'all she was super involved in civil rights. So Hudson, the, bi- the biographer, she says that um, Pleasant's role in the raid of Harper's Ferry, though widely repeated, is shrouded in more mystery than evidence. But this is not surprising. Pleasant lived her life between the lines of legitimacy and infamy, servitude and self-invention. She became known throughout San Francisco as Mammy Pleasant because of the years she spent as a domestic servant. But she hated, she hated, hated, hated being called Mammy. She did not like being called Mammy. And one thing that made me laugh was that um, the newspapers in San Francisco, they would refer to her as Mammy Pleasant in the newspaper. Can you imagine picking up your local newspaper from outside of your front door and on the front paper, there's your picture and above your picture or below your picture, it's like Mammy Pleasant or Mammy Williams or Mammy White or Mammy Johnson or whatever your last name is. Can you imagine? She hated that. So she told the San Francisco Call, which was a newspaper at the time, she was like, <laughs> and this is this is what made me love her even more. She said, I don't like to be called Mammy by everybody. Put that down. I am not Mammy to everybody in California. I got a letter from a minister in Sacramento. It was addressed to Mammy Pleasant. I wrote back to him on his own paper that my name was Mrs. Mary E. Pleasant. I wouldn't waste any of my paper on him. Y'all, when I tell y'all I fell out, I didn't literally fall out, you know, figuratively. I fell out when I heard, well, when I read that quote because... 
sis did not play. She was not the one or two, okay? She was not the one, and she was not about to stand by and let you refer to her any kind of way. You were going to call her by her name. Like she said, she said what she said. I am not mammy to everybody in California. Don't call me that. And for her to say I would not waste my paper on him, she wrote him back on his own paper. Again, she's not the one. So one of my favorite quotes from her actually was that she said, um, I'd rather be a corpse than a coward. And I love that because sometimes, you know, we, well, I'm going to speak for myself. Sometimes I want to speak out about certain things. Um, I want to do certain things, especially when it comes to black people, our people, civil rights um, and marginalized people. But there's also that feeling that, you know, lies in the back of your head, like, okay, if I do this, what's going to happen after this? Like, what is going to be the consequence of this? What's going to be the end result of this? What can I lose in doing this? So when I read that quote from her, I was like, I love that. I'm going to implement that in my life. Um, So I love her for that as well. So, again, all good things come to an end. Later in her life, you know, she was living in a, on a high, right? She had a mansion on a corner in San Francisco. But, you know, you might ask yourself, and I ask myself, you know, as a black woman in the 1800s, this was, you know, slavery. This was segregation. This was um, not a good time for us. How was she able to do all of this? So apparently she had a business partner. His name was um, Thomas Bell. His name was Thomas Bell. He was a white man and he ended up being her financial partner. And it's believed that he was the one who um, basically he would be the face behind her investments. So, of course, she couldn't go to the bank or to these different financial institutions to invest her own money. So she befriended this guy and he was the one who would go to the bank and do these things for her. Like he would just basically be her face because, of course, if a black woman comes in here, they're going to be like, absolutely not. We are not giving you anything. So he was helping her. So later in life, He passes, right? So after he passes, this throws everything off for her. Everything and everything started falling down. So he was married and his widow challenged um, rights to her belongings, to Mary Ellen Pleasant's belongings, because it said that his name was on her house because, of course, a black woman is not going to have a mansion in the 1800s in San Francisco. It's just not going to happen. Um, so his name was on the house. So the the uh, widow of Thomas Bell, she challenges all of these things. And unfortunately, Mary Ellen Pleasant lost everything. She lost everything. And people started saying that... Um, She was putting households under voodoo spells. And so this rumor grew in in and around San Francisco and people started, you know, really tarnishing everything that she had done up until this point. And it just all went downhill. She lost everything. She died in poverty in 1904. And it was just bad. So now... Um, actually someone, someone wrote me when I posted this story on San Francisco and 
I think they said that, yeah, she said that she grew up in the Bay Area and she was just so disappointed because she had never even heard of Mary Ellen Pleasant. But when I was reading, it was like um, there is a day still in San Francisco that is called Mary Ellen Pleasant Day. They said that they do tours around the city and one of the common stops along the route of the tour is a corner where her mansion once stood and they recognize her for that. But, you know, to hear that even people in California don't know her story, have never heard of her, you know, it is super disappointing and really sad, you know, because people, there are so many people, it's not just her, that have done so many good works for our people and we just don't know anything about it. It is so sad to me. Girl, listen, my heart is heavy just thinking about it. And there are so many others. Again, you can go to my Instagram page and look at the highlights and check out some other people that you have not heard about in Black history. You know, we talk about Malcolm. We talk about Martin. We talk about Rosa. We talk about Madam C.J. Walker. We talk about Mary McLeod Bethune. We talk about Thurgood Marshall. We talk about Medgar. We talk about all of these people. Um, but And this isn't to say that their stories are don't matter like we still need their stories to be told because each one teach one each generation that's coming up we have to continue to pass down these stories but at the same time can we also include these other people who have been forgotten over the passage of time I think so I don't think that we have to stop talking about other black historical figures in order to talk about the ones that have also been forgotten but let's draw them into the mix let's bring their stories back out there so we can continue to learn about other people that were a very big inspiration a very big um help and hand to how we are able to live today because it is so so important and I cannot stress that enough um I think we have two more podcast episodes or three more podcast episodes left in this month I'm getting tongue-tied. <laughs> I think we have three more podcast episodes left in this month, which means three more people. And I'm so sad because I, I, I really wish that we could talk about more of them. There are so many that even a month, like even me going throughout this entire month talking about one person every single day is not enough. So that is why I need you all's help in letting me know how should this continue because this has to go on. Um, Do you think it should be a YouTube thing visually? Do you think it should be a separate podcast? Because I don't want to take away from what we talk about here, which is um self-help, more personal development personal stories I don't want to take away from that and I also feel like these people deserve to have their own space to be celebrated so let me know write me on Instagram help us us out again so stay tuned because we are going to have Shakira's keys coming up right now all right so for Shakira's keys This is a new segment that we implemented this season, so this is only the second one. Um, But what I want you all to take with you all for the duration of this week, I want you all to remember that any dream you have, anything that you want to pursue, um, whether it be for the rest of your life or only right now, remember that it's not always immediate. And this is something that I have been wrestling with throughout, you know, 
time, <laughs> but more specifically throughout these past two weeks, when I was thinking about giving up on something, I keep coming back to this thought and I want to share it because I know someone else needs to hear it. It's not always immediate. And if it were immediate, you wouldn't have a deep seated appreciation for it, right? Because it's going to be like it's handed to you and you're going to be like, oh, here it is. All right, boom, next thing. So when you are putting in the work, to get to that point that you want to arrive at when you are networking with the people um, when you are talking to people when you are practicing when you are putting in the time effort and hours that it takes to get to where you want to be it's not fun oftentimes it's not fun sometimes it's not enjoyable sometimes it hurts sometimes it is painful but it's needed it is necessary to the um, destination is necessary to the journey so put the work in do what you have to do to get where you want to be and enjoy the in-between this space this time right now that you are going through right now is the in-between you need it to be able to appreciate the next level and also if you are putting the work in there is something that you are going to learn in this season in this in-between season that you are going to have to take with you during the next level don't skip this stage I don't know who I'm talking to but don't skip this stage don't look at this stage as something that is not needed or not necessary because you need this moment in time right now to learn the lesson that you need to take with you to the next level put the work in learn the lessons even though it's painful even though it hurts even though it's annoying do what you need to do to get where you want to be all right I love you all Don't forget to stay black and carefree, and we'll see you next time in the next episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Ignore that note I just hit. All right. Bye, guys.